Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we're delighted to be joined by Sandra Shembri, CEO of music therapy charity Nordoff Robbins. Uh, Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you and whereabouts in the world are you joining us from? Uh, I'm, I'm okay, thank you very much. I am joining you from a muggy London, but we'll take muggy rather than burning. So we're, we're okay, thank you. Yes, absolutely, and good to hear. Um, so, yeah, thank you uh, for, for taking some time to have a chat with us today. Um, I was wondering if, uh, if you could start by just, um, tell, for, for anyone that might not be aware of Nordoff Robbins, if you could just t- give a little bit of an overview as to what Nordoff Robbins is and your kind of role and background within it. Sure. So um, it should really be Nordoff and Robbins. So it's two it's two gentlemen who founded it in the 60s, late 50s and 60s. And um, one was a special education teacher and the other one was a fine composer. And um, uh, they met at this school uh, called Sunnerfield and uh, they were working with, at the time, were called Locked Away Children. So children that society couldn't reach. Uh, their terminology, not ours at the time. And um, what they found is that um, music, music could reach these children in a way that they, you know, other people weren't, um, they were surprised by. So they, over years, developed this methodology as how you can communicate uh, with someone through music. Uh, And that got termed uh, music as therapy. And then that from that, um, over the years, grew uh, a burgeoning education uh, into uh, this met- method, the North and Robbins method. And from that grew this pool of music therapists uh, in uh, the UK. We also have colleagues in, here we go, New York, Poland, Italy, Germany, China, Korea, Australia. I've forgotten someone that they're going to be really upset with me, Taiwan. Um and they very much are an alumni, but that's the places that Clive Robbins was in visiting to kind of grow this, this idea. But really, um, music therapy can sound a bit standoffish, but essentially at its heart, it's about connection. And um, we work where words fail. So um, music, if you think about it in your own life, how, how you might use it, you might use it to lift yourself up or get you over a heartbreak uh, or to help you concentrate. You know, we we are naturally drawn to music um, in a way. Um, and if you think about it for a second, my um, uh, music therapist uh, called Simon Proctor said to me once when I was talking to him, he said, think about the first sounds you hear. And I was like, I, I don't know. And he was like, your mother's womb. Like all you hear is this swooshing and this swooping and the, this constant thud. So you're literally born to music. You're born to pulse. So it's innate in us. Um, so what the musicians who are trained in this particular way, uh, it's a master's trained um, profession, is to um, exquisitely listen or radically listen to someone for whom they're struggling with their words. That might be through mental health. So they could speak, but something is stopping them speaking. But it could also be life limiting illness. It could be um, someone who finds themselves uh, at a place where words just aren't working for them, but all the way up to what we call the, the sharp end, pointy end of need. So um, we think about some of the clients we work with, uh, multiple learning um, difficulties, physical difficulties, like um, the world isn't built for them. So the world by nature excludes them. So what we're trying to do is include them. And the bridge we do that is through music. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I mean, it's, you know, the the work that Nordoff Robbins does is quite, quite incredible um and you know for for anyone who has 
who's either familiar with the the organization or has been to any of its events will will kind of see you know the the kind of incredible impact that music therapy has on a lot of people with the kind of conditions that you were just describing um do you find sometimes people um need a little bit of either convincing or explanation as to what music therapy actually is and and the kind of practical benefits it can it can have on people because i think you know for people that might be from a musical background or um uh, from the music industry perhaps you know they they will obviously have an affinity with music and kind of might be a little bit more receptive to this. But for people out there that do have these conditions that don't necessarily have a a connection to music or, you know, necessarily play an instrument or a, a, they sing or work in music, whatever, you know, do, do you find sometimes that there's a little bit of a education required on just how beneficial music therapy can be to those that aren't, that weren't, perhaps weren't previously aware of it? Short version, yes. Yeah, so that was a <laughs> long, long question as well. Yeah, longer, <laughs> lo- longer, longer response to that is um, it also varies from culture to culture. So mm. uh, in some cultures, therapy is accepted and it's open, it's welcomed. In other cultures, it is a very hard no. So actually, for some cultures, the term music therapy is a complete no-no. So that's how they won't go near it. So we have to enter those cultures when we talk um, th- through through music. So, so the word therapy doesn't come anywhere near it because we don't want people to be put off by it. Yeah. Um, it is a therapeutic intervention and it is registered uh, as a therapeutic intervention and, and allied health professionals. But it's not, um, there's a medicalization with the word therapy that we actually are actively working against. This isn't about fixing people. Mm. Yes, it may help with um, uh, a motor, um, a muscle motor challenge that someone might have. Um, But actually what we're trying to do is help the person holistically. So for us, it's about trying to showcase much more what's the point of entry? What's the point someone will understand? And if you go to children in nurseries, there's cleanup songs, there's, there's, there's get your coat on songs, <laughs> there's mm. it's time for lunch songs, because there's a signifier, oh, there's that beat's playing, that beat means this, I'm going to go do that. That we're starting to use in care homes, in dementia settings, um, because Dolly, actually, she's forgotten the mechanism to brush her teeth. So, and rather than being upset with Dolly and the carer getting annoyed, because yet again, she's got to tell Dolly, because Dolly just can't remember if you can get a song that connects, actually, all you do is play the song. Dolly picks up the toothbrush and Dolly knows what she's meant to do. So there's a there's an entry point for everyone with music. And the key thing that we're constantly trying to do is remind people um, everyone's musical. Everyone has the ability to make music in some way, shape or form. Most of us um, of a certain age have a horrific memory of someone going yeah, you're not very good at that, are you? And we stop mm. singing, we stop playing, like something's happened where we just go, oh, not for me. And our job is to help them understand that music making, like that's where the magic is. Yes, receiving music is brilliant, but making it's even better. So we're constantly trying to educate people into how they can help their mother, their sister, their friend, um, how they might be able to, to do that together. That's part of what we do. But yes, that that entry point can be quite difficult because it feels... Um, I think a good way to describe it is when my therapists first said to me, because I joined two and a half years ago now, just before the pandemic. So it's been an interesting uh, first couple of years in an organisation, you know, wasn't quite what I expected. Um, And uh, I had an image of therapy. Now, I I knew about Nora Robbins because being a musician, you know, they've been around uh, in, in my psyche, but I hadn't clocked this. 
they said to me, Sandra, I don't think you quite realise that we are as willing as, as therapists to be as changed by the experience as the, as we hope the client might be able to be changed by the experience. So it is a mutual uh, potential um, for, for something to shift, for us to connect. Whereas talking therapy can be, not always, can be very I'm the authority, I'm going to receive what you say and then make suggestions back to you from my place of authority. Whereas we very much meet as equals in music. So there's an equity there at the beginning. Um, And that for people who've been incredibly medicalized or institutionalized is really powerful, like to be met as an equals by someone from a a profession. So I think that that for me was quite a a big moment where this idea that these therapists were willing to be changed by their clients and the interaction with their clients. I was like, okay, yeah, that was a bit of a, a brain explosion. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, what types of music therapy are there for people? Because it isn't, you know, just musicians, is it? It's not just people that play an instrument or are already singers. It really is kind of open to all. So do you, do you have, I wouldn't expect to go through every single example there is, but you know, any sort of examples of what forms music therapy takes and how someone, you know, uh, it, whether it's for themselves or someone they know, what would be like an example of the type of work that, that is so, done? So, um, for a music therapist, so 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 to pick on music therapists, musicians are incredible humans. I I doff my cap to all of you, and please continue doing what you do. There can't be music therapy without musicians. Um, what we do is we work with musicians through the course of uh, two years to attune, interestingly, not their playing, but their listening and their responding to what someone is receiving. Because if you imagine um, a young girl whose vocal cords don't really work um, and her body's like, uh, is constantly spasming, so she can't control the muscles properly, what she might give you is a guttural noise. And the music therapist has been trained over these years to, to recognise that as music and respond musically to help that individual draw that out. Now, that's at the very, very sharp end of the spectrum. Then if you come back on the spectrum, anyone can work with someone socially and connect with them socially through music. It, I think it's the, it's the version of that radical listening that you can do for, for people for whom it's hard to do. But if again, if you are with your gran and actually you're able to play an instrument, find out what she likes and meet her there, but also introduce her to new things. Like, I don't, don't always go back to, you know, the back cuddle of the 1940s. Like, what is it that interests her and why? And again, but it's that, it's that making together. And it might be as simple as turn-taking, you know, that idea of um, you go, then I go, then you go, then I go. It's, it can be very, very, very simple. But there's also great organisations like Playlist for Life who are focusing on helping people connect through making playlists with their loved ones um, to help them understand and uh, gain more insight into who these people are that they've loved all these years. Um, And they have a story. And then as it tends to be uh, clients with dementia, as the dementia gets more on set, that playlist can be something to ground that relationship and bring them back to that relationship. So yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of ways. Um, Music for Dementia has a great map of how you can engage with someone musically all the way from you know, a, a song for brushing teeth down to music therapy and that intervention. So, yeah, I can send that on to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, you know, there, there's how do people get involved with with some of these things? So, for instance, you know, there were uh, you know there are people that have you know really debilitating um, life limiting conditions um, in which music therapy uh, can be applied. But there are also things like kind of group singing 
sessions and choirs and things like that that people can join um kind of but you know with each of those examples what would be the how would someone you know receive or or help facilitate music music therapy for for themselves or for a loved one what what would be there if if there was someone listening to this who had never previously thought about it but wanted to pursue this as an option for themselves or somebody else how can they do that i'm with you i'm with you right so um we have something called an open access um, option so uh, you can go onto our website and it will ask you loads of questions um, uh, depend on anywhere in the the UK um, we depending on uh, the condition that you're presenting with but also where you are it might be that we aren't able to help but we will always signpost someone so there's an organization called the British Association of Music Therapists and they have a register of all the music therapists across the UK. So if we can't help, they can signpost someone to someone that can. So um, the challenge we have is that there aren't enough music therapists to go around to meet the need, which is why part of the North Robbins mission is to educate music therapists of the future. Mm. Um, we did a yeah, needs analysis a while back, um, and it would take us 30 years of education to even to meet 50% of the current need. Um, and the kind of clients that we work with, um, we often say I, our, our work, our, we aren't one of those charities that can go out of work because there's always going to be clients that need our support because the kind of clients that we work with are those for whom life's really tough and um, the, the challenges they've got are probably going to limit their, their life. So it's more about making, it's about their quality of life. It's not about fixing the problem mm. a society perceives them to have. So it's about maybe improving their physical um, ability. So, you know, helping with muscle spasms, or it's about the quality of their connection with their mum. So I think about a young kid on the um, cancer ward, terminal cancer, throat cancer, and couldn't, um, obviously, funny enough, depressed, you, you know, as you'd expect, um, young boy, 19, um, is there with his mum and you can see them both completely dejected and the music therapist comes in. The music therapist is able to find, again, from this guttural noise he can make from his throat, a way of connecting to the point where at the end of the session you can see him, he's laughing in his own way with his mum and that makes his mum crack up, that makes him crack up. You're not fixing the cancer because you can't fix the cancer. That's not for us to do. But what we've managed to do is for that 30, 40 minute session, you've given a gift of connection to the mum and the son that they weren't able to get on their own. And the job then is for the therapist to get out of the way if they possibly can and maybe teach the mum and the boy how to do that on their own in some way, shape or form. Okay, I see. It's really interesting. Um, I mean, how does someone... How does someone become a, a music therapist uh, with Nordoff Robbins? Do you educate and teach people, or do, do people have to come with you with, with prior qualification? What would be what would be that that journey? So old school, yes, you'd have to have a degree, you'd have to have um, lots of things. No, that the world has changed. What we need and want and are looking for is people who are musically flexible. There has to be a base level of, of, of musicality. But what instrument they're on is up to you. It doesn't have to be the piano. It doesn't have to be voice. Um, it doesn't have to be a harmony instrument. We've got someone that came on who's a drummer. But what we need is someone who understands the concepts of music and can work musically. But they might not be able to even read music. That's fine because it's about listening, not reading music. 
And then um, they we have an application and interview process where you meet our therapists, you meet some of our clients, uh, and you get to test you know, what that feels like. But, it's, but the, the key word that comes up again and again and again is flexibility, because you have to meet that client where they are and then musically try and connect with them. So that takes a particular kind of musician. So I'm I'm a classically trained musician. So the idea of being flexible is like not on your Nelly. <laughs> so if you take the sheet music away, I'm like, nope, nope, it's not happening. Yeah. So so I'd I'd be a nightmare. Um and every time the musician um, like music therapists go, come, let's go jam, I'm like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't do jamming like you crazy people <laughs> so it's it's beautiful to watch so those improvisers you've never seen a piece of sheet music or have never gone near a conservatoire you know come one come all like we'd, we'd, we'd love to have you um the course is two years um the master's course we have it in london we have it in manchester we have it in newcastle and we're looking about where our next course might be. Is that Glasgow? Is that actually, is it down south? Or is it Northern Ireland? We're trying to see where the appropriate place is for it. But we sense that there's need for another one again, just to try and meet this growing need. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Um, how does how does Nordoff Robbins exist? How, how do you fund the work that you do? With great difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the short version. The longer version is donations, donations, donations. So we are a charity. We get no government funding. Um, we the, uh, we have a model where some of our work is free 100%. Some of it is um, 25 or 30% charged and some of it's um, 80% charged. And the subsidy depends on people's ability to pay. Um, we will always provide free open access. So that is, you know, a, a mum who's listening, who's she's like, oh, okay, my, my kid might do like that, that. That's always there. Um, so we rely on individuals. You know, we have loads of people giving five pounds a month. Um, but really our core funding comes from the love of the music industry because the music industry, I think this is me uh, kind of, um, what's the word? concision I'm, I'm i'm putting together all the things they've told me mm. in the last three years is that we're able to show them using something they love and adore to help people in a way they never thought possible so for them to see this thing that they work in all day be able to put to this almost this superpower um that they, they support us absolutely hugely um so yeah so without them we would be um would be a very 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 different organization so they they really helped us go from what was it three music therapists in 1974 up to we're close to 100 therapists now across the uk wow and you know i know that obviously there are donations and you know the music industry donates money but can you tell us a little bit about some of the events and the kind of initiatives that you hold as well which uh, which are designed to to generate money for the cause Sure. So the one, the next one that's coming up is Music Mudder. So if you like Tough Mudder, um, that's the one for you. Uh, and uh, yeah, it looks horrific in the best possible way. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the idea is to do much more engagement. Um, so we also have big flagship fundraisers. We do a carol service, um, which uh, was one of the first of its kind again back in 1974. Um, we also hold... Um, uh, race days we also um there's a 
beautiful big event coming up called the Legends of Football, where it was um, Arsene Wenger the year before the pandemic. It's Gareth Southgate this year. So, yeah, we have we're very lucky. We have lots of big fundraising events. But what we're trying to do is grow our grassroots community fundraising. Um, so that started for us. We've got loads of marathon runners this year, which is going to be fantastic. But we've also had loads of people doing their birthday parties in aid of us and their weddings in aid of us, which has just been magic. So you get this brilliant donation and these crazy photos that come along with the donation. It's just, yeah, it's been brilliant. Fantastic. I mean, the things like Legends of Football, that's a, you know, that's a huge event and get some real big names from the world of football, uh, you know, turn up for that and help, help raise money with, you know, kind of auctions on the charity auctions on the night and things like that. Um, how did you kind of create that uh, connection with the, the the football industry, the football community? And is there, some, you know, is there a kind of constant drive to f- find support from outside of the music industry uh, and the and the music community and kind of find other you know whether it's football whether it's whatever it may be you know is there is there always a drive to try and bring in and rally support from outside the the kind of traditional uh, channels yes there is um because it's becoming a very crowded market when we started in the um 60s and 70s it, it wasn't this crowded so actually um we've got some catching up to do Uh, So the Legends of Football came out because there's always been this love and use of music through football. So what happened was, is there was someone that knew um, uh, the football industry who said to us, we should be doing something together. And it literally was two people over dinner who said, let's make this happen. And that's what happens with these big events. Um, It's usually two people, labour of love, and it grows from a grassroots to this, you know, what it is today, which is, you know, 1500 people in the Grosvenor Hotel making half a million pounds for us uh, in the course of one evening. So, yeah, it's incredible. Amazing. And when does the uh, when is the next Legends of? Uh, I'm going to say the fourth of October, and I'm going to have okay. to check that now to make sure I haven't got that wrong. Uh, but the idea of being in the same room as Gareth Southgate is a little bit exciting. <laughs> um, he's but his grasp of what music can do though is is something else. Like he came to visit our centre and is he just gets it. You know, he understands that, and he's um, he supports a local hospice. Um, and uh, they have music therapy in that hospice, so he's seen it firsthand. Uh, yeah, I've checked. It's third of October. Yes. Third of October. Excellent. Yes. I mean, that's that's great to hear. I mean, do you, do you find that the the participants uh, in Legends of Football each year do have a, a kind of an active interest and engagement in what's going on once you've kind of spoken to them and you know they're obviously become increasingly aware of the event because it's quite a it's quite a large scale popular event now do you do you find that they are as you just said with with gareth southgate that they are kind of inspired and uh you know kind of engaged and and captivated by the work that nordoff robbins is doing they are um they and it's usually because they meet our clients so they come, they uh, get to spend time with our clients. They also um, join a session with therapists and our clients. So they get to see it and feel it firsthand. So I think that that helps with that connection. And I think it cements even further, again, why they use music, the way they use music with their teams. You know, I, I, you, you couldn't help but say, so Gareth, how are you using it? Obviously, he's not going to tell us, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try and get some insights into his ways. Yeah, <laughs> well, um, I mean, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a brilliant event uh this year um and is there anything kind of else on the horizon uh that you can tell us about whether it's any fundraising or uh, anything that uh, people should be uh, looking out for on their well, calendars there's, there's there's one which is so it's so 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's going to happen. We're not quite sure how it's going to happen, but we know it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. Um, we are uh, launching the Northern Music Awards. Um, oh. So like we've got the Scottish Music Awards, we're going to do the Northern Music Awards. And we've got Chris Hawkins um, uh, lined up to support us with that. He's a brilliant ambassador for our work. And uh, we're looking to how that uh, shapes. And there's a brilliant committee um, who's also looking at, okay, so what do we do? Where where should it be? Where does it move um, um, year on year? And the reason why we are launching that next year is we have a focus on Manchester because Manchester outside of London is our largest region of um, uh, delivery. Um, and, you know, the, the economic deprivation in that area is vast. And Andy Burnham is a mayor with an absolute, you know, he's got a laser-like focus on fixing some of these challenges. And he's actually written a music strategy to respond to some of these challenges. So what we're able to do is work alongside him with the music strategy. So Chris Hawkins is a bit of a bridge to us between those two. So yeah, watch this space on that one. We're hoping, hoping March, 2023. Seems very short when I'd say that to you, but we're hoping for March, 2023. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, we, 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 you know, really do wish you all the very best with that and with the upcoming Legends of Football and, and everything else that Nordoff Robbins does because, you know, it really is an incredible organisation and, it, and it, it does absolutely phenomenal work. So, you know, we really, really hope Thank that, you, uh, you know, that it continues to get the support that it deserves. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. It's been a real, real pleasure and really fascinating chatting to you. Thank you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.